0: Welcome to Glitch Cube, we gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. I'm Christian. I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of Glitch Cube. Thanks for joining us. Uh, but before... Well, actually, we... Uh, <laughs> tongue-tied already, jeez. All right, so this is episode four on our journey through game mechanics. It's going to be the final episode in our little mini-series here, but it doesn't mean that it's going to be completely done. We might add to it later on in the future, and if there's any interesting mechanics out there that we did not touch on that you guys want us to talk about some more, do some research on, let us know, hit us up in the Discord or on our socials. But before we get into today's final episode, uh, we'd like to you know throw out some love in the world, and. And, you know, talk about some joyous plugs. So, what do you have for us this week, Chris?
1: Um, I guess for, like, video-wise, I've been really getting into, like, console modding. I've been watching a lot of videos on that lately. Uh, just because it's also relaxing, watching someone just solder and just talk. Yeah. Uh, I've also been thinking about modding one of my old PlayStations. So, I've been thinking about tempting myself to do it. But... Oh, my God. As someone who's never really soldered anything, it's like you actually need to do a lot.
0: Yeah, it seems pretty daunting.
1: But it looks fun, too. I mean, what I'm looking at, it's uh, PlayStation 1 digital. So, basically, you do that with this other mod called X Station, So, you can have all your games on, like, an SD card. Oh, cool. And then the the digital mod basically makes it so you can put hdmi on it nice so it looks good on the flat screen and then they have this thing called MemCard pro and you have a memory card that has unlimited blocks basically and it has a little lcd screen which is cool or oled but um
0: oled <laughs>
1: <laughs> i know switch oled uh, um <laughs> but yeah i've been really getting into that lately Tempting that idea, even just modding other stuff, but aside from that, just been playing games. Beat Grandia 2 the other day, and just been playing a lot of Monster Hunter Stories too. Cool. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's growing on me. At first, I was kind of like, eh, monster collecting is like, it's fun, but it doesn't have that same appeal as Pokemon did as a kid, Mm. but... It's growing on me. I'm liking it. I'm liking the different, like, nuances in it. And it's it's cool playing through a different IP than what I'm used to with, like, Final Fantasies and other stuff. Yeah, it, It's cool learning about Monster Hunter.
0: Yeah. It's a different kind of title. It is fun, though. I mean, it's entertaining, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's cute, too. I need something a little lighthearted right now, so. Yeah. Nice. What have you been up to?
0: Oh, you know, I uh, have... Been back at work now for the last week, which fun, yeah, it's great, yeah. Uh, Apparently, I'm good enough to work, which is good. I mean, I'm able. I'm almost at the point where I can maybe start working out again, which is great because it's been a couple weeks and I'm hating every minute of it now. (laughs) But uh, when I've been at work, I've been you know picking back up my podcasts again, listening to a bunch of stuff and just throwing out there we are a pro podcast uh podcast right we like to promote other people as well throw things out there spread the love build up the community but one podcast that's been really standing out to me lately and they don't really need the help but it's definitely one to check out if you're if you need a good storytelling podcast and that is dark dice dark dice is phenomenal it's a real play uh Dungeons and dragons podcast but The way they set up their audio, the way they tell their story, you would almost never know that they're playing Dungeons and Dragons. It's just so good the way that they frame everything. They edit out all the dice rolls, so you just get right to the drama, right to the story. Um, It's a horror-based show, so that's always interesting. And it's been really fun listening to that at, you know, like, two or three in the morning when I'm at work by myself, (laughs) because every once in a while it gets a little creepy. But it's just been really great listening to that. and. I mean, talk about aspirations and goals when it comes to editing audio. They definitely make me want to just up our game that much more. So really excited to continue listening to these guys. If you haven't given them a uh, listen or if you're into that kind of stuff, definitely check them out. Uh, It's a really, really great show, and they have a bunch of other series as well to listen to.
1: Nice. Mm. Speaking of upping our game, Mm. we've uh, got some changes going on uh, with our website
0: Mm
1: -hmm. uh we have blog posts up uh going over just different things right now we're just kind of going over demos of games as well as a written part of the death episode and we're definitely going to be adding more to it and i'm actually really excited it's really fun it feels more professional i guess you could say
0: yeah it's been fun uh writing actually I haven't done writing in a long time so it's been cool going back uh recently for our our, our podcast or bleh, our blog posts were uh touching on different games that were promoted in NextFest for Steam so we mm-hmm. went through a bunch of demos and we wrote little reviews on each one of those. So there's about three different pod, pod, er, blog posts on those guys right now. And then, like you mentioned, we have the written blog post on the mechanics of death. Uh, we definitely want to continue that going on. So every once in a while, we're going to have an episode that we want to talk a little bit more about and you know write about. So... We'll set up those blog posts there. Uh, Make sure to follow us on all the socials in order to get the latest updates on when we post on our blog. But it is glitchcubepod.com. And then, of course, everything will be linked in our link trees and our show notes, all that fun stuff for you guys to check out as well. So, yeah, check it out. Let us know what you think. And, yeah, thanks for listening and all the support.
1: Oh, and Mm. videos coming soon, Mm, too. Yes.
0: Yes, that's right around the corner. So we got a lot of stuff lined up for you this year, and it's exciting to see the growth happen. It's going to be a fun summer. Oh, yeah. All right, so for today's episode, our episode four on game mechanics, today we're going to go into the mechanics of rock, paper, scissors in games. Now... (laughs) Rochambeau. Rochambeau. gotta love it. But it's one of those systems that is so well integrated into games and it's a concept that's so easy to understand which makes it that much better to incorporate into gaming itself um it allows for less hand-holding when it comes to certain mechanics and things like that right like if you look at certain things like if you have someone that's a water element Right then you know that they should be strong against fire, because in the real world, if you pour water on fire, it usually puts it out. So, Really? Sometimes. It might make it Hmm. worse. I don't know. I'll have to test that out and see what happens. Let's test it out right now. (laughs) Oh my god! No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just a really nice way of kind of giving the players information without having to force feed it down their throat, right? And it just makes it a little easier to understand things that are going on. Now, Real quick before we jump in just because I got really curious about it and I went into a little bit more on the history of rock paper scissors itself uh, it's actually a very very old game uh, rock paper scissors uh, the most latest rendition of it or the most w- wide known one which is rock paper scissors is was from around like the 19th century where it spread across the globe but it actually like hand gesture games like that actually started in China around the 17th century. And they were brought into Japan as well. Now, these games were primarily actually only played at uh, brothels in China and Japan, and they were basically drinking games. So they were drinking slash gambling games that were played in brothels. But now they are well-known games around the world where you see kids playing them. Right. So it's kind of funny to see like the history of it and then it becoming more like okay for children to play these games that were played at, you know brothels and whatnot right
1: imagine that conversation of like the husband like oh i'm gonna go to the brothel for yeah. a little bit right. she's like what yeah. what are you doing i'm like "Oh, i'm just gonna play rock paper scissors <laughs> yeah
0: right like, like <laughs> no one's gonna believe that crap <laughs> but actually one of the earliest renditions that's been written about for um rock, paper, scissors, was a form of it where instead of it being a rock, a paper, and a scissors, it was um, a frog, a slug, and a snake. And for that, the frog was the thumb, the snake was the uh, index finger, and the slug was the pinky. And frog beat slug, slug beat snake, and snake beat frog, right? So hand gesture games were always kind of around, but... The ideas behind them, it, it wasn't until the, the creation of rock, paper, scissors, or the normalization of that version of it, where that was more of a concept that was easy to understand for everyone. So I think that's why it became more widespread, right? And I think How does anything beat a snake? So, the, from what I've read and what I've seen, um, apparently the slug might have been a mis, um, mistranslation from the Chinese version of it, where they actually think it was a poisonous centipede found in the region of China, but it got translated into slug, and that's kind of where it stayed from that point on. That's a big jump. Yeah, and what's actually kind of funny, like, (laughs) whenever I read that, at first I was like, oh, that's really weird, like, what strange combination of animals that is. And then, of course, my anime brain kicked in, right? The little feelers popped up, and I was like, oh, my gosh oh my gosh connections right and that's when you start actually learning things is when you make these stupid connections but if you look at the legendary ninja the three legendary ninja or the Sanin, um they are uh you know like lady Sunati or richard maro and um i can the pervy sage i can't remember his name or jiraiya um, who <laughs> they call him the pervy sage but his name is jiraiya in the show uh but they have three different separate summons, right? And their summon animals are the toad, the slug, and the snake. So it's kind of like there has to be that connection between that there, right? It's kind of hard to say that those seem like such random animals that that didn't come from this original um, hand gesture game, or at least some sort of roots there. So it was kind of cool to put those connections together and have a see where it possibly could have come from. Never thought anything that deep
1: would come from Naruto.
0: Right, or Slug Snake Toad. (laughs) Whatever it was called back then. Forgot the name of it. A lot of games have this mechanic built into it, right? Um, Like we mentioned. And just out of curiosity, which games stand out to you the most that have the
1: Rock, Paper, Scissors mechanic built in? I mean, I think the easiest one to go to is Fire Emblem, Mm -hmm. but, I mean, if you want to get technical, like how you were saying with the elements, I think Pokemon just, you know, really stands out the most to me, even though it's more of a broad, it's not much of a triangle, it's more so different, since every element kind of plays differently.
0: Right. It's definitely become more and more broad as the, you know... The the game progresses over the generations. They've added so many different types, and now they have to get incorporated in. But it's like you said, they do have very specific mechanics built into it that emulate the rock paper scissors mechanic, right? You have one mm-hmm. element that's weak to something and strong against another, right? Now they have like half damage as well, so that's kind of like kind of weak to it or kind of strong to it, or you know, resistant and all that stuff. But the same general concepts is laid in there. They just kind of expanded on it and made it a little bit more,
1: right? I didn't know they had like a like half positive damage. Yeah. In those games. I always just thought it was like half like not positive. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, it's really weird how they have it set up now, but it, it's definitely interesting to look at. Like if you say like for instance, um ground type, right? So you would take half damage from poison type or rock type, right? Um, and, but if you have someone that's grass, ice, or water, they would do two times damage to you if you're a ground type. And then on the other side, it, you would actually do two times damage to electric, fire, poison, rock, and steel, um, if you're ground type, and then you would do half damage to bug or grass. And then flying types, you just can't damage, or you can't damage them at all if you're a ground type. So there's a lot more ingrained into it. It's not as simple as, you know, paper covers rock, but. The concept is still there when it comes down to it.
1: Looking at this list, it seems like Bug really has like the least amount of like problems. Damn.
0: Yeah, but it also does like, I think it has the most types in which it only does half damage too. I see. Yeah, so I think Mm. that's kind of the trade off for that one. Now, crazy. Yeah, whenever. Now, obviously, this is now Pokemon now, right? Or there's just so many different types. It's insane to think about. But when we play Pokemon originally, um, I mean, the first time you play through, you might not know that the rock gym is your first gym, but knowing it through a second playthrough or whatnot, uh, did you change up your starter based on that to give you an easier run? Like, did you go with Squirtle sometimes just because you knew that rock is going to be your first area?
1: Yeah, uh, definitely. I When I first played Pokemon, my starter was Charmander. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was in that middle ground where I wasn't really totally weak. But afterwards, yeah, I went Squirtle. And I mean, Squirtle holds you up till the fourth gem. It's true. Pretty well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, I did the
1: same exact thing. <laughs> or third gem. Whoops. Yeah.
0: Well, I guess up to the fourth, right? That still, still stands. Still stands. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, it's better than Bulbasaur. That's true. Bulbasaur basically got screwed out from the beginning. I mean, he's decent against Misty Water, you know? Yeah. So that's the second one. and Yeah, that's true. Decent the rock. It's, it's kind of like the safe ground, I guess.
0: Right. It's just, I think as a your child brain, like watching the show and then coming back to the game and whatnot, like you just think water type, right? I, I need this to go for it. And then just kind of really do some real damage there.
1: I didn't realize they added so many things in here.
0: Yeah. It's a, that's crazy. It, the list got really expansive. <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. That, that's a lot to decipher. But some yeah. people know this crap by heart, which is
1: insane. Yeah. I can I can believe it. There's big Pokemon fans out there. kind of scary, but they're out there.
0: Yeah. It's a little much for me, to be honest. <laughs> a little over my head. A little too big brain for me. That's for sure, even though it is technically Rock, Paper, Scissors, I guess, right? So, yeah. But, I mean, it is it is a fun little system to learn, and eventually, with all those games, all the Pokemon games, it doesn't really matter. Type doesn't come into account once you get just way too strong, right? So, kind of, like, harkening back to our leveling up episode, like, I know that I overleveled my characters to the point where it didn't matter what type they faced. They still one-shot at everything. But it is nice to kind of know that that mechanics built in there just to make it a little bit easier or um, just to give you a little bit more strategy in the way that you play.
1: Yeah, I feel like for me, I was over-leveled psychic characters and I don't know why. I always just felt like psychic just dominated everything. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know why, even though it's not really true. But when you over-level, it just kind of destroys all of it anyway.
0: Yeah, and they actually, yeah, they don't really do... Much extra damage to anything, but like you
1: said, once you overlevel, it doesn't really matter. You just feel stronger because you're playing on their mind. Yeah,
0: you're you're messing with their dreams, man. Yeah, what a horrible horrible thing to do. Now, of one version of the rock-paper-scissors mechanic that's a little bit more, I guess, less nuanced or less obvious would be magic systems in JRPGs, right? So you have your systems like in Final Fantasy, where you have fire magic, blizzard, lightning, you know, um, wind, wind, yeah, wind, rock, air, air, area, arrow, arrow, arrow
1: yeah, Aero? Yeah. Is that how you say it? I just thought it was arrow. It's probably just
0: arrow, but I'm just being stupid right now. My brain's not working.
1: <laughs> I kind of like Aereo, though. Aereo.
0: Mm. It reminds me of like a... Um, Oreo? Oh uh, Night of the Roxbury. <laughs> Emilio. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> so on the surface, it looks like you're just casting random magic spells. But in the, the way the systems work there as well, you do have... um enemies that would be weaker to different types of elements that you would use. And then also when it comes to the equipment that you um, have on you, you might have different percentages that on them that become more resistant to different types of damage dealt to you as well, right? So that same concept of what's strong against what is in there as well. And there's going to be trade-offs to those kind of things. Like I can't tell you how many times I've fought something and just been like, "Well, fuck it, just thunder real quick," and then to come to find out, oh, they absorb thunder, and now I just healed them for a thousand. It's like, well, crap.
1: <laughs> that healing thing always pissed me off right. when like they had that option in games. Ugh. Yeah, and it it's it's still there. Like
0: uh, actually, with Bravely Default, it happens to me all the time when I'm playing, and I like for a lot of the games, like a lot of jrpgs they have that spell libra that or something mm-hmm. like it where you would then learn the types of the characters or the enemies and it might show you like certain types of resistances and things like that and when i was younger and playing those games i just ignored that feature altogether i just Same. kept hitting until i figured out what worked and you never really got penalized for it right but in bravely default 2 if you don't know the enemy's types, like you're in for a hard battle, even just the basic enemies that you're running into on the map. So you definitely need to figure out what you're doing. And I found out that the magnifying glass is the greatest item in that game. <laughs> like it's one of those that you need to make sure you have a shit ton on you at all times. Every single time you come up to a new enemy, make sure your characters, the first thing they do are magnifying glass so you can figure out, what they're resistant to, what they're weak to. Because it's not just magic that they bring up as well. It'll actually say what they're weak to as far as weapon types too. And Mm -hmm. it's, if you like, let's say they're resistant to daggers and you have a thief out there with a really cool dagger, if you just do a basic hit, you're doing nothing to them. You might do like 40 damage whenever you usually do like 200 to everything else. So it's definitely something to really, really pay attention to so, it's kind of cool to see that like rock, paper, scissors mechanic, not only with elements, but now with weapon types as well. So, kind of like getting all that mixed in there. So, you kind of have like two different, uh, I guess, charts overlapping one another to figure out the best way to handle any situation that's thrown at you. And speaking on weapon types, as far as a uh, way to uh, tell what you need to use to attack things. I mean, fire emblem is an amazing game for that specifically as well. And their rock, paper, scissors mechanic is very clear and laid out. It's pretty simple, but it's,
1: you know, simple. I
0: would say it's simple, right? I mean, it's just like, st-
1: I always need like an image of it when I'm playing those stupid <laughs> games to figure out what I'm doing. Cause I'm like, how does a tome or a book beat a bow? Like what like i don't i don't get it well i guess i mean
0: magic versus arrow well i don't know i guess that's true huh because they're both would be technically ranged right
1: yeah i mean it i guess it's like the ranged rock paper scissors and then you have the physical which is more like the sword axe and lands but it's just it's kind of weird i don't know that's true huh but i understand if a bow can beat a star but
0: yeah, I mean, like, bow beating a lance totally makes sense, but a sword beating a bow out, as far as, like, range goes, that doesn't really make sense, I guess. But the one nice thing they did in Fire Emblem, or at least I remember from the older games that I played, I don't know if they still have it, but they'll give you a little, like, arrow up or down. based. On, oh, yeah, yeah, they still have it. Okay, cool. Uh, Like, based on, like, if your weapon type is actually going to do, or is, like, positive against their weapon type, so, you can kind of strategize that way. So, it is nice that at least that's laid out for you and you don't have to like constantly remember it. But it does kind of suck whenever you have your troops laid out and there's no good configuration of like getting the most amount of damage out there. And especially like, I don't know, whenever I was playing Fire Emblem, I was still playing with Permadeath and like the older games. You gotta. So, whenever you have the wrong configuration and you're just. The enemy types around you are all strong against you. You're like, well, fuck, here we go. Restart. <laughs> Cause I don't want to lose anybody off of my stupid choices there because it's it is kind of like it is hard to remember that aspect, at least whenever you're playing it in the heat of the moment. Right. Or you reach an enemy type that you just haven't encountered yet or you might have forgot or just place things in the wrong area. Then you get kind of screwed out.
1: My favorite part is when you have like, you know, sometimes you kind of like try to flank a little bit on some maps mm. and you take your sword person to beat this like kind of stronger axe wielder, right? But then you don't realize that there's like two lance users oh, around yeah. him and you have that one unit on his own and I'm like, well, he's pretty much dead. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Anything. Anytime you see a lance user, it's like, well, fuck. Because I feel like they give you more sword to people in that one. Or like, its I don't know what it was. I always felt like I always had way too many sword people. Or at least out in the forefront, right? Like your axe... It felt like it. Your axe people, like they would always be in the back because their movement was so slow. They weren't able to get up there. So you're kind of like screwed out of that. And you you almost want to not use your full movement at that point. So I guess that's one way to kind of increase the amount of strategy that you would put into those games but it does make it for like a maybe less enjoyable experience whenever you can't use your full movement effectively or in like a smart manner.
1: It does put in a good challenge though because I do love how like if you try to fight one that you're weak to, like you really don't do anything and you get hit so hard. I'm like, it actually like, it really provides that good tactic system, which I feel like, in those, like, strategy RPGs, tactics RPGs, it's it's a perfect system. Yeah. You know, you try to look at other games like that, like, say, Final Fantasy Tactics that don't have, like, a weapon base system. I mean, I feel like even elements, because you're really fighting people. You're not fighting things weak to certain elements unless you're fighting a bomb and you cast, like, ice on it. Or but, it's a
0: boss that has some sort of equipment attached to it that you wouldn't know about.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's like they either have high defense so then you're struggling with magic, but they doesn't really have this like diverse battle system. And at first, like when I first played Fire Emblem, like the early ones, I hated the system cuz I just felt like there was a lot to it and I didn't want to learn it. Mm-hmm. I just wanted something simple. But now that I've played a few and I've played other strategy games. I actually really really like this system because it really does add a different layer of challenge that you don't get in a lot of games like that.
0: Yeah. It's very true. I mean like the weapon-based mechanic ones, it's always more interesting when it comes to that. Like uh, if you look at uh what's that game? Uh Total War. Like Oh, yeah. Like that's another great one. It has the rock paper scissors mechanic built into it where it's like cavalry is good against what like infantry or something like that right like you you start paying more attention to the the weapons that your people are carrying opposed to like other games where it's like okay well i have a fire element and i'm gonna fight this water element right like it it's less obvious i guess right and it i think it makes it more interesting and it adds more to the challenge of the game itself so i mean it on like when it really boils down to it you're basically using the same mechanics as if you would with rock, paper, scissors or all that. Right. But it's put in a way that we're not used to. So it feels a little bit more challenging. Like we don't oh, like we don't come into account or encounter with like people carrying spears and swords all the time anymore. Right. Like it just doesn't happen. So it's just one of those where it's like the it's less obvious, I guess.
1: Yeah trying to think of how an axe user would actually beat a lance user i just feel like lance has all that reach
0: cut the lance in half
1: oh yeah
0: it's more of like a broad weapon right so it'd be like just maybe like brute force versus finesse
1: hmm that's a good point i didn't think about it like that maybe i mean
0: or it could just be that they just laid it out there and said well here you go (laughs) like no real thought to it (laughs) something's gotta beat it (laughs) right And it's it's cool to see where these games are like how a lot of like newer games too are using the rock, paper, scissors mechanics built in. And um, mm-hmm. I mean, you're playing it right now and I've played the first one at least. But with Monster Hunter Stories, right, they definitely yeah. have that built in. And it's it's basically advertised as a rock, paper, scissors game like there's no other way of looking at it it has the tree there at all times they make it really easy with the color coding and all that but how do you feel about it being so in
1: your face it's it's funny that you say that because like it's actually made me really appreciate it more Mm. uh going into the game when i played the demo i was like ugh, this like It's going to make things difficult. But actually, like, once you get into it, it, it's kind of easy. It's fun. Um, It's like not only do you have to worry about your weapon type, right? Because obviously you have to break certain parts of the monster sometimes. Mm -hmm. And even there, like, they have strength against a hammer. So then you have to use a pierce-type weapon. So either your gun lance or your bow. Or it's strong against that. Then you just have to use your sword. So, there's that system. And then, yeah, there's speed, technique, and attack. And the thing that makes it a challenge is sometimes you're a little monsty, even though their main icon is speed, mm-hmm. sometimes they have moves that's of a different element. And what sucks is, say, you're fighting a boss and they have these thing called head to head, which basically that's the rock, paper, scissor. If you have power, you're beating technique. So, if you get in a head, head on head and your power you beat that where you don't take damage and the enemy takes more damage mm. so the thing that sucks is say like one of my monsties is speed i'm using him to fight a power-based monster but my monster uses a technique and he loses the head-to-head mm. and takes like a ton of damage and almost dies right. and i'm like what the fuck you know but it's fun. Like, I'm actually really enjoying it. It makes the battle system different. It It's different from, like, other RPGs I've been playing recently where I'm just like, I'm going to spam the same magic attack and beat these enemies real quick. You know, right. it's it definitely makes it dynamic. Does it make it drag on a bit sometimes? Yeah. But it's fresh. It's different. And I think that's why I'm enjoying this game so much, is that it is different than your typical rpg that i'm used to lately Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i think that's a good trade-off for it is the fact that it it might slow down combat a little bit but it adds to the strategy behind it right
1: yeah you can really like plan it out and like it's interesting because not only are you worrying about you and your monstie but like your little like companion that's with you with their monstie will be different and obviously you know they're gonna mess up too and take more damage or deal more damage so it it really brings a bit of randomness to it, which is fun. Mm-hmm. It it really does, like, play on the rock, paper, scissors really well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, that definitely, I mean, that's my same ex- experience with it from the first one. I do really want to pick up the second title because I enjoyed the first title so much. Where You'll like it. I mean, at first, like you said, it's one of those where it's like, oh, boy, this seems kind of simple, right? Like, but it becomes way more complex the more you play it. And it it is nice having that chart uh, kind of basically always up in your HUD, so you know what you're doing and then you can kind of like guess what the other monster is going to do. And then once you fight one and you re re like fight it again going forward, then you kind of know what you need to do and you're able to like have a sound strategy every time you fight it.
1: And yeah, yeah. like a lot of these monsters have like in the beginning where it's just if they're using a speed attack, that's all they're going to do. Now I'm facing monsters that have two different ones so they could switch it up on you. Mm -hmm. So you have to like kind of mold yourself to whatever they're doing.
0: Now I did remember from the first one that whenever you start encountering ones with like different, like I guess elements or tech like techniques in battle, they Mm -hmm. fell into a pattern. Do they fall into a pattern on this one or is it more randomized?
1: It's more randomized. I mean, they have obviously, like, say their two styles, and then they have, like, a skill, mm. which is, like, non... It's separate from the rock, paper, scissors. It's just their own skill, okay. which it does switch it up. It doesn't really have too much of a pattern from what I've noticed. For the most part, they they, they switch it now where... He'll always... Like, say, one will always use speed. Mm-hmm. And then... You hit it enough times, it gets mad. That's when it switches its techniques up, and it'll start using power moves. Got it. So you kind of know when it's gonna switch, but there are some monsters that, in like, normally will just switch it up too. But it's not often yet. Mm. Like I'm only in the second big area, so okay. I'm thinking maybe in the next area it might switch it up because it is getting a little more difficult for me now.
0: Mm. Yeah, because I think I remember with some of the boss fights in the first one where it'd be like. Okay, they're doing speed, speed, power, speed, speed, power, speed, speed, power, right? So, like, you can kind of figure out, like, okay, they just did two speeds, and the next one's going to be power, let me use... Oh, yeah, it's right? more random than that okay, now. Okay, cool. That sounds pretty fun, actually. I do really want to check that one out, like I said, so... At uh, least
1: play the demo. You can get, like, 10 hours out of the demo if you play it a lot. Yeah, oh, that's crazy to think about. It's a demo, man. <laughs> I mean, you can fly through it, but I would definitely recommend, like, kind of grinding a little bit in it. Mm. Does it... Uh, yeah, there's... There's a lot. Does the experience and things like carry over if you buy the. Yep. Oh, nice. That's perfect. Everything. That's awesome. Yeah. You kind of do the whole first area in the demo, which is a lot. Oh, wow.
0: That's actually really a lot cool. of
1: quests to do. I think there's probably like maybe 10, 15 side quests you can do. And it's crazy how much you can do in it.
0: Now we've been talking a lot about RPGs as far as it goes with rock paper scissors mechanics, just because I feel like that's the easiest one to visualize it. Right, um, it's one of those where it's kind of clearly laid out for you. You can see different element types. It's it's pretty clear, right? But this mechanic doesn't just like lay well for role-playing games. It's actually seen a lot in shooting games as well. Shooting games, fighting games, everywhere that you want to play, you can basically see this rock-paper-scissors mechanic be laid out in front of you. Um, for instance, like just really quickly, like if you look at Rainbow Six Siege, you had all the different operatives that you can pick from, and there's always a counter operative to go against their special ability, right? Just to kind of even it out and level out the playing field. Now, of course, when you're playing, you don't see what the other team is picking. You kind of have to figure that out while playing. But it is nice to know, like, if you notice in one round someone seems to be using uh, this specific operative a lot, or if you learn that the meta is a specific operative, then maybe pick the opposing one to battle that, right? Mm-hmm. And then one big one, too, to like kind of go into is Overwatch. I mean, Overwatch has so many different amazing heroes to pick from and just a wide variety of really fun characters. but and each one has their own specific special abilities but they do have like uh players or characters that directly counter those abilities right mm-hmm. or maybe not directly counter but they would be stronger or weaker against so you might have like a slight advantage against someone else depending on player skill as well right that does have to come into account but there are certain characters that are geared towards like uh countering these other people and i think that's a a really good way of balancing out those kind of games um i know like i played overwatch in the beginning whenever it first came out kind of slowed down with it recently especially whenever casual came or casual play became competitive play where like everyone on there is just way too freaking good um but did you play overwatch at all i played a lot of it
1: yeah Uh, Yeah. i played it for a while uh
0: who who is your main i'm curious
1: (sighs) honestly the one i have the most hours in is probably lucio Oh, yeah. Lucio is dope. Which is weird because I normally don't play, like, healers in any kind of multiplayer game. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I think I liked it just because of the mobility. I was able to actually, like, kill a lot better as him just because it just seemed easier. But, yeah, the support classes in that game were actually more fun to me than other classes. But you can definitely feel, you know, certain characters, especially like their ultimates, really do counter others and their ultimates as well, which is a fun dynamic. And, I mean, I feel like that's why those kind of hero shooters are, you know, got big because there are a lot of dynamics and mechanics and depending if the developers buff a certain class or debuff one, it it really changes it up. And it's it's interesting mm-hmm. because, I mean, you don't really think about this kind of system and shooter.
0: Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, for me, my favorite character to play was Junkrat. I absolutely oh. love Junkrat just because it's just pure chaos. Right. But if you look at it, like, uh, there's a chart that we found that has a, a, like, kind of the, what each class or character is good against versus weak against. Right. And it totally makes sense whenever you think about it in the, like the wide scope of things. But, like, Junkrat would be strong against people like Torborn, uh, Bastion, or Reinhardt, right? And when you look at that, like, Junkrat doesn't have a lot of range. His speed isn't there either, right? But his weapons do a lot of damage, and especially if you can't get away from something or if you have a character that definitely wants to stay planted, right? Mm -hmm. Reinhardt wants to stay up there with his shield. Torborn is working on his turret, so he might not be as mobile. Uh, I know Bastion, they just changed it where I think in turret mode he can now move, so yep. which makes it even more horrible to think about. <laughs> but you know, when Bastion would go into turret mode, he stay still. So Junkrat can just go in there and start lobbing little grenades and just really wrecking house. But then whenever Junkrat gets like gets into a fight with someone like Farah or Widowmaker, like they're super long range. Even Soldier 76, right? Like they're way out there and your range and mobility just doesn't match up to theirs. So in a in a head on head fight, like sure, you might get a couple wins in there, but for the most part, you're gonna have a much more challenging battle whenever you go up against like the longer range or more mobile characters. So like even though it's le- it's more, I would say, kind of like a hidden or less obvious version of rock paper scissors mechanics built into the games, it's still there, right? It's it, like you're, but now you're looking at it more on like a tactile sense. Where it's, it, whether instead of it being like, oh, a sword beats axe, now it's, okay, now I have like a shorter range character and that person's long range. I can't get to them. So I need to figure out how to get to them. So now you're coming up with different strategies in order to make it so that you can like close the gap or just kind of counter your own weaknesses to then go against these guys. Yeah. And they did a really clever job with the, with the roster, I think, to kind of give you a wide variety of different characters to pick from and to be able to swap out so quickly as well to counteract any other people who are like on the opposing teams right so it's it's really clever and really fun to see that mechanic built into even something like a shooter game
1: yeah i think with the expanded like roster it really does change it up a lot and really does offer more variety cuz i'm thinking like team fortress 2 where there's less amount of classes mm-hmm. and like i always played pyro like that was just my jam And I remember like for me, it was fun just hitting spies because you just keep spamming your flame through everywhere and hopefully burn someone that's in the skies. But I remember always going against like an engineer. And for me, I feel like engineers were always like one of the hardest to go against as a pyro because I mean, we're gonna do burn their turret, your turret the turret's gonna melt through you pretty quickly unless you're like got an advantage on it. But you know, even there you have it where, you know, obviously a sniper is gonna kill a heavy pretty quickly because they're big Mm. and slow and then spies are perfect because they can just backstab like snipers who are just camping like it's it's interesting how even like that game which is even older than overwatch had that same kind of mechanic where we know certain classes are better than others
0: yeah i mean even now thinking about it too if you look back at like tying it back into something with tabletop or dungeons and dragons too. Like you you all those classes that they have laid out, like let's say you pick a rogue, right? You're gonna be pretty squishy, but you would be able to do damage and like be very mobile on the map if you can get behind characters or flank them, right? Like or get your sneak attack sneak attacks off quickly. Uh, but then whenever you run into someone with like a high armor class, you're probably gonna have some trouble dealing damage to them, right? Mm-hmm. And if you get hit by them, you're going to get hit really hard because you can't wear like heavy plate mail whenever you're a rogue because then you're going to start encountering uh, different like, you know, movement penalties or even your class just won't allow for it. Right. Because it just doesn't make sense to have a, a rogue in full plate mail. <laughs> right. That just yeah. doesn't work that way. So like even in a system like that where it's. It's another one of those where it's not like fully obvious or laid out there for the character where there's a perfect wheel of things. There's the abilities to be strong against or weak against certain damage types and kind of figuring out how to balance that and just adding to the overall strategy of uh, countering your own counters, right? And being able to bridge the gap to make it so that you can have fun and be successful in the battles that you do ensue.
1: Yeah, it's crazy how every genre really has it. I mean, I think fighting game mechanics would be a whole episode on itself just cuz it's different for every style, but yeah. Definitely 3D fighting games have that system too, you know, with sidestepping and blocking or ducking. Like it's it's interesting how it's really in everything.
0: Yeah. Like it might not be obvious, but rock paper scissors mechanics are everywhere. <laughs>
1: I mean, right. it's a game in itself, so...
0: It yeah, they even have a world championship of rock, paper, scissors, if you can believe it. I should so. go on that. <laughs> right? <laughs> what's what's the qualifier? I have hands. Oh, okay, cool.
1: <laughs> I got fast hands.
0: Yeah. Well, they even had a robot in the rock, paper, scissors world championship once.
1: The robots are taking over. Yeah,
0: they, <laughs> one sport at a time. They're starting with the little <laughs> ones, and then they're going to be coming for the big ones pretty soon here.
1: <laughs> but can the robot do jazz hands? Oh, well, that's
0: once they do jazz hands, then we know that we've reached like Terminator territory yeah, and right. then we're, then we're all screwed. Yeah, and we're then, gone. You know, yeah. We might as well just give up at that point.
1: We'll be begging <laughs> Bezos to take it on a spaceship and get out of here. Yep.
0: Please take me with you. Please only buy you.
1: Amazon from now on. I promise. <laughs> no Walmart.
0: Yeah. I won't support my local businesses. No. <laughs> Target who? <laughs> Target the world for destruction. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well all right so this has been the fourth and last little episode in our mini series on game mechanics this month we've uh, touched on death in games we've You know, talked about leveling up systems. We've gone over random number generators. And today we went over rock, paper, scissors mechanics in gaming. And those are just four of the touchstones that we picked as far as like most predominantly used in gaming or maybe the most obvious ones out there, or at least the ones that have the most variation Um, when it comes to helping out games with themes and things like that, right? Um, There's definitely a lot more out there. And it's just really exciting or interesting to see how developers have taken these types of mechanics, like even something as simple as rock, paper, scissors, and changed it into something much more grand to give you such an expansive experience uh, when playing these games. And learning their like the way of fighting and the best way of doing it and creating these really detailed strategies while playing through things. So it's been a lot of fun looking over this stuff. And at, from like a designer's perspective, it's so cool to look further into these kind of mechanics and see where, what they've done, how they've been used, and then start to speculate on how we can use them in the future or how they're evolving the way we play games now. So there's just so much to it, and it's been a blast looking into it. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys once again for listening. Thank you for tuning into this little mini-series that we have. And if you haven't listened to the other episodes, make sure to check our back catalog for the rest of them. Um, If you really, really enjoyed what you are listening to, make sure to please share it with your friends. Leave us a rating or review on whatever podcatcher you're listening to, uh, because that's really the best way for us to get our name out there. And it helps out so much. And, you know, with the amount of growth that we are seeing within the community and just being able to reach out to you guys on all the social medias and whatnot, it's been really, really fun doing that. So make sure to drop us a line, hit us up. We definitely are very responsive to what you guys send us. We love talking to you all um, and we look forward to talking to you guys in the future. So Thank you guys once again for tuning in. And that's going to do it for us this week. So, uh, bye. Bye.